0: And, um, before we jump in, my spiritual journey recently has really been to like quiet my soul, to quiet my inner self, because I am busy, 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 busy. I love to go. I love to run fast, run hard, and just go after it. And so as I was prepping, as I was beginning to think about, like, Lord, what is it you want me to share? And we're in the series called In His Name. and. And I've got this section about like, the mightiness of God, that we serve an almighty God, and we're going to be planted in John chapter one. So if you, go, if you have your Bibles, you can go ahead and turn there, um, John chapter one. But I was thinking, like Lord, what is it that you want me to communicate? How do I start this? From start to finish, like, it's yours, what do you wanna do with it? And so what I want us to do, instead of me read John chapter one, verses one through 14, which is where we're planted, um, I wanna give us a few minutes to read and receive what God has for us. And so um, literally the next 30 seconds to a minute, um, what I'm gonna ask you guys to do is that you read John chapter one, verses one through 14, and then intentionally use the rest of that time and pray and say, Lord, what is it that you desire for me to receive from your word this morning? What is it through these words and the passages and, the, and, the, and what John penned down in, the, in this Bible, what is it that you desire for me to receive? And so if you would just go ahead and read that for me, Um, you can read it quietly, you don't have to read it for me. Read it for yourself and then just pray, Lord, what is it that you desire for me to receive? Lord, we thank you for your word. We thank you for this space and um, this building that we get to call home. And Lord, I pray that as your bride, as cornerstone, as as this body of believers, as we worship and observe Scripture, Lord, that we we don't take it for granted. That we that we pursue you passionately, that we that we are transformed. Um, by what you reveal through your word and through who your son is. And God, I pray that as we get a clear picture of who you are and your character, God, it compels us to to be transformed, to be more like you, that the revelation of scripture today changes the way that we live tomorrow, that we we observe it with the holiness that you've intended it to have, Lord, that we look at it with intentionality, Um, and that as we read these words, it allows us to have a better focus on you, that we are a single-minded, undivided heart church that runs after you in every component of our lives. Lord, we love you, we thank you, we praise you, and everyone in the house that love Jesus said, amen. amen. So John chapter one is where we're planted. Um, and like as I was thinking about it, like we, we are, we're talking about God being mighty. But before we jump into John chapter one, Um, it's important that we understand like the direction. Why do we need it? And so um, I'm the next-gen pastor. I didn't actually formally introduce myself to those of you who do not know me. My name is Rance and I am the next-gen pastor here. But also besides pastoring, I have a love for photography which turned into a hobby, which kind of turned into um, this different beast of just a lot of work, but I love it, I have a passion for it. And so I wanted to start here because I took a picture of this road, and on the left, or on the right, you see an unedited version, and on the left, you see a more clear, vibrant, edited version. And The reason I show you this is because, in the same way, sometimes I can read scripture, and all the words are there, it looks the exact same, but sometimes, without help from a pastor, without me prayerfully going into it, it can sometimes seem dull. Like, I, I, I can read the verse every single time, I can read the same passage every single day, but if I'm not asking God to reveal something to me, it's just words on a page. If I'm not ready to receive something, it's just this dull picture, this, this fabricated idea, in essence, and so the reason I ask you to read and pray that you receive something is that so you can take a, something that's just words on a page and it becomes vibrant. That the, the, the scripture says that the word is living and active. And in the same way, like in this picture, an editing process for me is I'm not changing the road. I'm not adding additional trees. I'm taking what's there and I'm adding saturation. I'm bringing the light that was there. Like everything that was in this edited picture is in the original, but it was just brought to light. And so my prayer this morning as we jump into John is that this scripture comes to life for you that your life does change tomorrow because of the revelation of scripture today that you have a clarity of the words in this passage and you have a clarity of who god is and it compels us and it changes the way we live because I'm not interested in behavior modifications. I'm not interested in giving you step one, two, and three of how to be a good person. I'm interested in pointing you to a savior, to Jesus Christ, and letting him transform your heart. And it happens when we look at the word and we see it to be what it's supposed to be. And so our need, without a clear picture or understanding of his word, we will, it will inevitably affect our perspective and view of our Lord. We will find ourselves distracted or we'll find ourselves in proximity to things that distract, from, distract him from us and eventually will lead us astray. And so, as we observe the scripture, as we look at John chapter 1, my prayer genuinely is that you have a clear picture of who God is. That when you walk out these doors, you walk out with this confidence that says, Yeah, my God is big, he is mighty. In his name, like he is victorious. And that's the prayer. And so before we can read John chapter one, I wanna take us to John chapter 20 verse 31. And in this, this is the reason John wrote the gospel. So John is the fourth gospel of the four, and so it's Matthew, Mark, Luke, John. In John chapter 20, verse 31, you see the reason the Gospel of John was written, and it says this. It says, but these are written so that you may may believe that Jesus is the Messiah, the Son of God, and that by believing, you may have life in his name. So John starts this Gospel off, and it's important for us to understand as we read this beautifully written, poetic, opening to the Gospel of John, it's written so that you may believe and recognize Jesus as the Messiah and that you have a life, life in his name. There's no other reason, it's to point to the Messiah and that you may accept it, receive him, and inherit his, the righteous life that J- Jesus offers, the righteous gift that he offers. And so that is the reason for this book. It's written so that you may believe that Jesus is the Messiah, the Son of God, and that by believing you may have life in his name. And so with that being said, I feel we are prepared to open John chapter one. And so John chapter one, it says, in the beginning was the word. The word was with God, the word was God. He was with God in the beginning. All things are created through him and apart from him. Not one thing was created that has been created. And I wanna pause right there because what John is doing immediately is helping you recognize and wanting the reader or the audience to immediately connect the creation story. In the beginning, God created, and John wrote, in the beginning was the word. What's also interesting about the way he wrote it is this idea of a word. Like, words are distinct from us. As I speak, like, it's distinctly different from me. It's not necessarily my, it's not my identity, however, Words are also the embodiment of our will and mind. And so John is creating this really beautiful picture that in the beginning was the Word, the Word was with God, distinct, separate, which we will eventually begin to find out that this is Jesus Christ that he's talking about. So he's with God, distinct, a separate being. The Word was God, defined. God is the embodied, like Jesus is the embodiment of God himself. And so distinct, but also the embodiment. He was with God in the beginning, all things were created through him, and apart from him, not one thing was created that has been created. And so point number one, if you're taking notes, and I would ask that you do, point number one, very simple, Jesus is sovereign. Like in verse three, we we see John beginning to allude to it. He begins to foreshadow in verse three, and it says right here, all things were created through him. So now we've recognized it's a person, and apart from him, not one thing was created that has been created, and then we see as we continue, and as you read verse 14, the big reveal is there, and in verse 14 it says, the word became flesh and dwelt among us. We observed his glory, the glory of the one and only Son. And so Jesus is sovereign. When I'm thinking about this idea of mighty, a mighty God, a God that is almighty, I begin to think, like, wh- like what is the criteria for mightiness? Is it strength? Is it intellect? Is it, is it being big? Is it size? Is it power? Like, like what, is, what is the criteria for it? And an almighty God is sovereign. I wanna I want clear something up, and this is a stat that um, Dustin shared with our staff, and um, I, I don't remember exactly where he found it, but there's a majority of a nation that believes that Jesus is a created being. That, that he, he wasn't in the beginning with everything, but he was created, and he doesn't arrive on the scene until the Gospels. But I wanna I want go ahead and splat that right here. Jesus was in the beginning in the beginning was the word the word was with god the word was god jesus is sovereign he is mighty in other words everything that's created everything that you observe in this world everything that you've enjoyed everything that like everything that makes life life jesus created it in the beginning He is sovereign, there's nothing that you will experience or do or see that he's not aware of. He is sovereign, he is a mighty God. And as we continue in verse four, it says, in him was life, amen. And that life was the light of men and that light shines in the darkness, yet the darkness did not overcome it. And so point number two, I know we are thinking, man, he's good, he's getting through these points fast. I got you guys. Just wait till the music comes on. That's where it gets long. So um, point number two, Jesus overcame death. If we're looking at a mighty God and we're looking at this passage, and really I'm not saying anything that the passage isn't saying. I'm just helping bring clarity and bring to light what's already there. It's not my job to, to... bring something out of left field and then present it to you and be like, oh, look at Rance, like my desire is that you look through me and you see God. And so point number two is Jesus overcame death. And when I read this, in fact, the book of John, John chapter one, and I believe it's 41 verses, don't quote me on it. In fact, I guess I can just look and tell you Um, it is not 41 verses, it's 51 verses, but... (laughs) This was the first passage, um, first book I ever memorized. And so when I was a teenager, our, um, to go on this camp and to get a discount and to help with um, summer camp that year, they asked us to memorize John chapter one. And when I read it like in him was life and it was the light of man and the light shines in the darkness yet the darkness did not overcome it. Like I always interpreted that as like Jesus like, overcame my darkness, my struggle, my anxiety, my, my frustrations, my, my insecurity with self-image. And yes, that is true. However, it's so much bigger than that. This word darkness, like he overcame death itself. That, that we are victorious. There is, like he, he did more than just overcome our struggles. He overcame the grave and darkness itself. It's been defeated and victory belongs to Christ and his bride and that is good news. Like when we're looking and we're understanding our savior, it's important, like I wanna be connected and I wanna belong to a savior that's defeated darkness. Like if I'm just, if I, if I, if I want something other than that, Any of you guys in this room can be my savior. But Jesus defeated darkness. He defeated the grave. We can now be in right standing with God our Father because of what Jesus did on the cross. It was sufficient. If we're looking at an almighty God, if we're observing an almighty God, it's important that we understand Jesus is sovereign from the very beginning, the alpha and the omega, the beginning and the end. He's in it all, but he also defeated death in the grave. He overcame the darkness. In fact, demons and the enemy trembles at his name. And all darkness is is the absence of light because when Jesus shows up on the scene, there's no place for darkness. It flees. To continue in verse six, it says, there was a man sent from God whose name was John. He came as a witness to testify about the light so that all might believe through him. He was not the light, but he came to testify about the light. The true light that gives light to everyone was coming into the world. He was in the world and the world was created through him, yet the world did not recognize him. He came to his own and his own people did not receive him. But to all who did receive him, he gave them the right to be children of God to those who believe in his name, who were born not of natural descent or of the will of flesh or of the will of man, but of God. And let me, let me break this down. Like verse 11, he came to his own people. They did not receive him, but to all who did receive him, he gave them right to be the children of God. There's an invitation here but it's not on our own accord, it's not because what we bring to the table, it's not because of what's in our 401k or how big our business is or how happy our family seems to be, like it's none of that. It's purely because we believe in his name. It's not because we were born, in fact, we were born into sin. It's not because of natural descent, like none of us are Christ. It's not because of the will of the flesh. Like I can't will myself into eternity with God. I do not have what it takes. I've fallen short in every single aspect. You name it and I've done it. It's not of the will of men. It is purely an invitation from God that he extends to us as a body of believers. He extends to his creation. And it says, whoever believes in my name will not perish but have eternal life. Jesus is sovereign. Jesus defeated the grave. And that is the invitation that we're accepting. Verse 14, the word became flesh and dwelt among us. We observed his glory and the glory as the one and only son from the Father full of grace and truth. And so point number three, Jesus extends an invitation to receive him. Jesus extends an invitation to receive him. This is the good news, church. This right here, this point, this, this resolve in scripture is the revelation of scripture that should change the way we live tomorrow. It should change the way we live going into the holidays. It should like literally stir something up in us that wants like, we want to follow God passionately. It is because he extends an invitation of, to his, of his grace to us that we desire and want to serve people generously. It is because of this invitation that we want to love people authentically. It is because of this invitation and what he did on the cross, like John that we share boldly, I'm not the light. My purpose here on this earth is to testify about the light, to point you, your friends, your families, my, the, the world around me, point them to the light. I have nothing to offer you except being a, a basically a spiritual mailman for the word. I have nothing to offer you. He has everything to offer you. Jesus is sovereign, he overcame death, and he extends an invitation to receive him. When I was prepping for this message, um, honestly, I was having a hard time because genuinely I felt this conviction of this direction that God wanted me to go with it. Like I I felt it uh, and I was like almost certain. I was like, man, I know this is, like this is what, what my heart's been on. Lord, where is it? And so I'm reading and in fact, um, I couldn't figure it out. I couldn't find it. And I will tell you, truthfully inside of me, like there, there's, this, there's this desire that I was like, almost wanting to like, not intentionally, hear me out, this is scary, this is a scary word, but I'm just being vulnerable with you. We're gonna be a hot church, honest, open and transparent. There, there was this component of me where I was like, man, I just really wanna get here. I wanna land here and so, I'm gonna read the passage, give some simple points, and then we'll just, I'll go on my little spiel. And that's for that's so you to look, that's for you to look at me. And like, there was genuine conviction there. But eventually, like, I'm, as I'm reading, as I'm taking this journey, I look at this word, and it was yesterday, I was sitting in the lobby, just had worship music, just sitting there, and I was like, Lord, would you, will you give me an illustration, would you show me what you want me to say, like how do you want me to wrap this message up, what do you want your people to leave with, and I couldn't get past this word receive. Jesus extends an invitation for us to receive, in verse 11, he came to his own people, his own people did not receive him, but to all who did receive him, he gave them to write to be children of God, to those who believe in his name, who were born, not of natural descent, of the will of God, but of God. And they have salvation. And I was, I was hyper focused on this word receive. And this word receive in the Greek is lambano. I could have absolutely mispronounced it, but it's spelled that way, so I'm going to say it that way. But L A M B A N O, lambano. lambano. And, and the definition for this word, what, the, what the, the early readers would have understood this to be, is to receive a person or to give him access to oneself wow, to give him access to oneself. So he came to his own people and his own people did not give him access to themselves. But to all who did give him access to the oneself, they will be the right children of God. Lembano. And so the question, church, is have you given him access? Because when I look at scripture, the invitation isn't for you to compartmentalize Jesus into this subset category of Christianity in your life. It's to lambano, to receive and give him access to oneself. Like the invitation of scripture is that he doesn't just wanna be your savior, he wants to be your Lord. He doesn't want to just be a Sunday visitation, he wants to be with you Monday through Saturday also. And I think we've gotten so, like we've normalized this idea of Christianity, that, that I'm, I've, I'm, I've lived my life, I've gotten saved, I've reserved this area of life, it's a Christian subcategory, and I'm going to be content with that. And I'm not gonna say that like on judgment day, whether or not you make it in heaven, like I don't know, I'm not the great judge, he is. However, I do know when I look at scripture, he wants a relationship with you and he doesn't wanna be reserved to a Sunday morning. He came to his people and they did not receive and the word receive that we observe, the early readers would have recognized as given access to oneself. I wanna be a believer that is marked by the way I live openly and give access to every single aspect of my life to the Lord. And I have this table here and these boxes represent different things and we've got a heart and that would represent your love life, your marriage. For those of you who are Are young and single, and you're like aspirational to find a spouse one day. Like, that is this aspect of life. And if this is the table of life, I should have written it really clean. But this is the table of life. This table represents your life, and these boxes are the categories of your life. So, we've got your family, you've got your marriage, you've got your house. This represents stability. This represents like, your, you, like the end goal. Like when you're like, 13, at least I was, when I was 13, like I dreamed about getting married and owning a house one day and having a family. Like this is a very real category of my life and I would imagine it's the same for most of you. This magnifying glass is your aspirations, the things that you're ambitious about, that job promotion, like whatever it is. For some of you, the younger folks, including myself, like wanting to f- completely fulfill my purpose, what is my purpose? To re- it's to represent our passions and what we're passionate about. And so this is a very real subcategory of our life. It, it is something that takes our attention. And lastly, our finances. This is very real. In fact, this, these past few years, this has seemed more real in my household than ever. Things are getting more expensive and they've always been that way. 10 years from now, things will be more expensive then than they are now. I wanna, I wanna raise money so that my kid can go to college one day. I wanna have a comfortable retirement. Surprisingly, um, being in ministry doesn't pay you a lot of money. And that's okay, I'm not am do it for the money. But like this is, a, this is a real concern and worry. And then somewhere along the line, we get saved. And then now we've got our Christian box. Like by ourselves, like until we've accepted Jesus Christ, this box doesn't show up on the table of life. But once you believe in Jesus Christ, that you confess him as Lord, that you believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you are saved boom, we've got the Christian box. And let me tell you, and for those of you who may not be able to see, this is not the picture in which God created it to be. This isn't it. If this is the table of life and this looks like your life, there's an invitation for more. Because he doesn't want to be another box, another subcategory on your life for display. Me keeping it here allows me to reserve my, my relationship with God to Sunday mornings. This box right here allows me to keep him separate from my finances. This box right here allows me not to submit my aspirations to his purpose for me. This box right here allows me to not bring him into the security that I think I should control, my home, my family. This box right here, when I'm being selfish or my perception of my spouse being selfish, doesn't allow, like it allows me to not be submissive to God's word and love my spouse regardless of the circumstance. This is not the picture God intended. The reality of what the invitation is, is that this box doesn't exist on this table in this manner. Our Christian box should not look anywhere close to the same size of our mighty God. And the actual picture is this, that when we accept Christ, when we receive him, when we lambano, our aspirations and our purpose, now we're submitted to the will of God. That our money, our finances, Lord, it's Christmas, there's this initiative like, Lord, would you, I submit my finances to you, you have access to my bank account, and I will give joyfully and generously in whatever way that you call me to. But I know one thing is for sure, my finances are submitted to you, Lord. That my family, my stability, my house, It is submitted to you, God, and it goes in the box. That my relationship with my wife, that my love life, my my aspirations to be married one day, it is only in your timing. I'm going to be the husband that you've called me to be, I'm going to be the wife that you called me to be, I'm not going to live selfishly, but I'm going to recognize that I made a covenant with my spouse, and it's not contractual in any way, my marriage is submitted to you, God. Whoa, this doesn't make sense, but this does. (laughs) Okay, wow, I was going after it, I thought I was bringing the heat, and y'all couldn't even see God on the box. (laughs) This makes more sense. Let me redo it. No, I'm just kidding. (laughs) But as a believer, everything in my life should flow out of my relationship with God. If this is the table that represents my life, the only thing on display should be God and every decision I make, whether it's the security of my home or the marriage, should flow out of my relationship with God. It's no longer this subcategory that sits over here, but on Monday when I go to work, the people, the, I, the, the person I live for, I work and live for an audience of one. When they look at me, they say, man, Rance is selfless. I don't know what it is about him, but like, like there's something different. And if the opportunity arises, which, which God will provide that opportunity, I say, oh, I, can, I can tell you exactly why I'm different. Anything good you see in me is God. I have given him access to oneself. He didn't come to just be your savior. Jesus came to be your Lord. And to really, I mean, reading the gospel of John like that, that's a different perspective. That takes something that may appear dull, and it's vibrant now. So with that in mind, in the beginning was the word. The word was with God and the word was God. He was with God in the beginning. All things were created through him. And apart from him, not one thing was created that has been created. In him was life and the life was the light of man and the light shines in the darkness. Yet the darkness did not overcome it. Verse 10, he was in the world and the world was created through him. Yet the world did not recognize him. He came to his own people, and his own people did not receive him, lambano. But to all who did lambano him, to receive him, to give access to oneself, he gave them the right to be children of God, so that whoever believes in his name, who were born not of children of God, not of those who be- um, whoever believe in his name, not children of God, Not of natural descent, not of the will of the flesh, not of the will of man, but of God. They were invited in. The word became flesh and dwelt among us. We observed his glory and his glory as the one and only son from the father full of grace and truth. That excites me. And man, my prayer recently has been so much for this church. This church has not been shy to struggle by any means. In fact, this church has seen it, almost just about all of it. Welcome, new guest. But I pray, and I'm like, Lord, would you, like, give the, this church, our cornerstone, this body, a desire to be deeply in love with you. And I, and I gently, like, felt the Lord like say to me, and, and, this is, and I, I felt like he was like, Rance, the, the depth of the church starts with the depth in your household. In fact, my wife said it like this when we were talking about it. Is Jesus invited to the dinner table every night or does he actually live in the house with you? What does your walk with the Lord look like? It is, is it a small box? compartmentalized on the table of life or is it everything that you do flows out of your relationship with God is he just used as fire insurance or is he Lord of your life because if he's Lord of your life man, that is that's great news You've got something to live for. You've got something to share boldly. You've got people to love authentically. You've got work to do, church, and you should get excited because Jesus reigns. He defeated darkness. He defeated the grave, and victory belongs to him and his bride. We are victorious because of what he accomplished on the cross. When we proclaim his name, it changes everything. Darkness flees. And so we're going to pray. And then we're gonna go into a response. But I wanna pray for our church right now. I wanna pray for our body. I wanna pray for each and every one of you. And so if you wouldn't mind bowing your heads, closing your eyes, and I want this to be an intimate moment. In fact, my journey with the Lord recently has been just really just sitting in his presence. So I don't want this to just be a transition. I want this to be a moment with you and God, and I wanna challenge you. And the first group I wanna challenge it's the church that has gotten complacent or regular and routine, and Jesus has looked like just another box on the table of life. And if that's you, would you just raise your hand in boldness? Because I want to pray for you. I want to pray for myself. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. God, I pray for every single individual that raised their hand. God, I pray for the individuals that wanted to raise their hand and didn't. Lord, that you would awaken our heart, that revival would begin to spark inside of us, that we live for you and you alone, that Christianity doesn't become something we take for granted on a Sunday morning, but Lord, that everything we do flows out of what you did for us. That we decrease so that you might increase. That in moments of weakness we recognize we can boast because you were made strong. Lord, I pray that as scripture becomes more and more clear, as we we go into next weekend and and the following weekend and observe Christmas and, and your birth, Lord, that this becomes real. That it transforms and changes the way we live because of what you did on the inside. Lord, I pray for the people with the boldness and the vulnerability to want more. That when they said, I've received you, Jesus, it means nothing less than lambano. That you have access to all of us. You have access to every single aspect that makes rants, rants. Lord, we submit and we thank you and we praise you and everyone in the house of love, Jesus said, amen. And we're about to shift. And in, in the beginning, we, I ask that you guys read, receive. And so now we've got two other things to do. We have a chance to respond in worship, respond to what we've learned, allow it to move us in the direction God's moved us. And then when you go into work Monday, you represent God. You represent what you've learned here today to unbelievers all around you that we read, we receive, we respond to what we've received and then we represent or respond to what God has done done in us. That when they look at the table of life, of our life, they don't see our money, finances, marriage, kids, aspirations, they see God, that all of it's submitted. And so we're about to go into worship and I'm gonna ask that all of you guys stand up and um, you can go ahead and stand right now because we're about to go right into worship. But I wanna end with this spoken word that I think really brings all of this message together. And it's by Isaac Wimberly, I believe it's his last name. And I know last time I spoke, I gave a spoken word. So eventually I'll run out of them. But when I'm thinking about a mighty God, when I think about Jesus as sovereign, Jesus overcame death, And when he extends an invitation, he's not scared of your imperfections. He's not scared of your insecurities. He's not scared of your problems. He's not scared of your past. He, in spite of all that, he says, hey, come in, be my children, receive me. That's a mighty God. And this is how the poem goes. And then after after I get done, we're going to immediately go into worship. And I ask that you worship like you've never worshiped before. In fact, one of my favorite songs we're about to play and it's make room. Lord, I want to make room for you. Your way be done. And This is how the word goes. It says, if there are words for him, then I don't have them. You see, my brain has not yet reached the point where it could form a thought that can adequately describe the greatness of my God. And my lungs have not yet developed the ability to release a breath with enough agility to breathe out the greatness of his love. And my voice, you see, my voice is so inhibited, restrained by human limits that it's hard to sing a praise of. So if there are words for him, then I don't have them. My God, his grace is remarkable. Mercies are innumerable. He is honorable, accountable, favorable. He's un searchable yet knowable, indefinable yet approachable, indescribable yet personal. He is beyond comprehension, further than imagination, constant through generation, king of every nation. But if there are words for him, then I don't have them. But what I do have is good news. For my God knew that man-made words would never do, words that we would use as tools to point to the truth. So he sent his son, Jesus Christ as the word living proof he is the image of the invisible God the firstborn of all creation for by him all things are created giving nothingness formation and it's by his word we sustain by the power of his name free is before all things and over all things he reigns, holy is his name, so praise him for his life the way he persevered in strife the humble son of God becoming the perfect sacrifice praise him for his death that he willingly stood in our place, that he lovingly endured the grave, and that he bowed our enemy on the third day rose in victory. So it's not just my words that I proclaim, for my word point to the word, and the word has a name, hope has a name, joy has a name, peace has a name, love has a name, and that name is Jesus Christ. Let's praise his name forever.